Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. We value our memory, and forgetfulness is a thing we do not long for. The psalmist reminds us that there is pain in memory, and Isaiah explains that there is a gift in God's forgetfulness. You're listening to The Former Things Will No Longer Be Remembered by Rev. Peter Yonker. We have two readings tonight for our scripture reading. One from Psalm 25 and the other from Isaiah 65. Let's start with Psalm 25 and let's listen to the plea of the psalmist. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame But shame will come on those who are treacherous and without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me. For you, Lord, are good. That's the plea of the psalmist. And let's follow that up with the promise and the hope of the prophet. Isaiah sees into God's future and he says this. God says, see, I will create a new heaven and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. This is the word of the Lord. Years ago, I got involved with a small group of people. This was before I was at LaGrave. A small group of people who are going to study the Psalms. And we were going to sit down and we were going to do a Bible study on the Psalms and As we began, we said, you know what we should do? Let's do some psalm memorization. It'll be just like when we were in Sunday school. It'll be like our our Bible verses, and we're going to memorize them, and we're going to memorize these psalms. And I'm quite sure I said to them, you know, that's a great idea. When I was in fifth grade, I memorized all of Isaiah 53 in the King James Version. It was great. I still remember it now. So we we went off, and we did that, and... What we found is it was nothing like when we were in Sunday school. This was early middle age for me, late middle age for the other ones, and this was way, way harder. The neural pathways would not allow for easy memorization. It was really, really hard. So almost every single Bible study, what would happen is we would start out by trying to recite the psalm that we had memorized and end up complaining to one another about how forgetful we were becoming. Our complaining reflects how we feel about memory in general. Right? When it comes to memory, more memory is good and all forgetfulness is bad. We long to remember, we hate to forget. And that's reflected in the things you see out there in the world. If you go to the self-help section of a bookstore, you'll see books and articles about memory and mega memory and preserving your memory and 
If you watch TV shows that old people watch, you'll see ads for, for memory pills that will help you to remember all things. As far as I know, there are no books about growing in forgetfulness. But what about forgiveness? Isn't forgiveness a place where forgetting is good? You know, forgive and forget. Isn't that a place where forgetfulness is something positive? Well, no, not there either. Luce Meads and many other theologians have helped us to see that uh, when we forgive people, it's hard to do. We ought not to forget what they have done. We forgive them. We no longer hold their sin against them, but we remember what they did. Otherwise, we cannot properly restore things in this world. For instance, should we forget the Holocaust? We might forgive individual people who are part of that terrible thing, but should we forget what the Holocaust was and what caused it and that there is something dark and evil that lives in the human heart that can cause us to do that to each other? No, we should remember that. In Canada, they had a lot, just like in the United States when I grew up, they had a lot of monuments to people who had fallen in wars. Uh, we had a lot of World War I monuments because a lot of Canadians died in World War I. And on the bottom of those monuments, it always said the same thing, lest we forget. And sometimes there would be these ceremonies on Remembrance Day, as we called it, and sometimes they would even bring over German soldiers or German soldiers who'd immigrated to Canada, and they would get together with the Canadian soldiers, and they would embrace each other. But all that embracing and all that positive energy was never to forget. It was always to remember so that such a thing would never happen again. The old saying is true. Those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. So memory is good, and we practice it as Christians as part of our process of redemption. But let us also admit that memory can be a terrible burden for us. Because while it may be dangerous to forget, it is often very, very painful to remember. As Christians, we long to be people of peace, to have joy in our hearts. And often the very thing that keeps us from having that joy are memories. Because memories are powerful, man. They, they don't, they're not just recalling something that happens long ago. When you remember in a certain way, what happened long ago can come zipping right up and become part of your present. A trivial example. Now imagine if in middle school, you're in the middle school play, and in the middle of the middle school play, you forgot your lines and you got so nervous that you threw up. Oh my goodness, it was so nervous. Now you're 50. That was a long time ago, right? But then somebody from your middle school comes up to you, one of your buddies, and says to you, do you remember that time that you threw up right in the middle of the middle school play? What happens? You feel tightness in your chest. You go red. It's like it's happening all over again. Of course, when we're talking about memory as a burden, we're talking about much more than embarrassing moments. The psalmist in Psalm 25 is wrestling with his memories. And there's two kinds of memories in particular that he's trying to forget. They're memories of his sins and memories of what his enemies have done to him. Memories of his sins and memories 
of his sorrows, the ways he's been sinned against. Remember not the sins of my youth, Lord, or my rebellious ways. Do not let my enemies triumph over me and put me to shame. The memories of his sins and the memories of his sorrows. Because you see, even though memory can be a useful tool in the work of redemption, memory is also a tool used by the evil one to hold us in misery, to enslave us in sin and misery. It can enslave us to sin. A marriage relationship is blackened by infidelity. The husband cheats on the wife. And they go through the process of, of reconciliation. They go to counseling and, and they both say, we want to make this work. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. But the husband, no matter what he does, can never get back to what he felt before. He wants this joy and the ease of this marriage to feel like it did before this thing happened. But every time he tries to relate to his wife, he's hesitant. He's fearful. He's uncertain. His relation is seasoned by shame. His memories keep him from fullness of joy and experiencing forgiveness. For an addict, isn't it partly memory that holds them in their addiction? I remember a long time ago, I knew a young person just starting out in college, nobody you know, good kid, um, you know, Went to church every Sunday, participated. You know, he, he misbehaved a little like kids will do, but never anything bad, never anything that would cause you reason to worry. Went off to college, went to a party, and somehow some girls persuaded him to try, one time, heroin. One time. That was all it took for him to be addicted. He spiraled down into addiction and he could not get out of it. He finally went to rehab for a long, long time. And when you would talk to him, he would say, if only I didn't have the memory of that one time. Now, obviously, there's chemical components in addiction, but memory of feelings and experiences is part of it. Remember not, O Lord, the sins of my youth. But it's not just memories of our sins that hold us captive, it's memories of our hurts too. A mother had a habit of criticizing her daughter when the daughter grew up, drove her crazy, everything she did was never good enough. She got out of the house, went through counseling, her and her mother had a talk, they've tried to work things out, she's forgiven her mother many times. She's 35 years old, she's got kids of her own, her mother comes over for Christmas they're getting ready for church and they're about to walk out the door and her mother says without thinking, you're not going to let the kids look like that going out the door, are you? And bam, it's all back. She has to start all the work over again. She blows up. Trauma, memory. Or much darker example, do you remember Herm Kaiser, former member of this church? If you've been here less than seven years, you don't probably because I think it was about seven years ago, six years ago maybe that Herm died. Herm was a colonel, a chaplain in the U.S. Army. What was his specialty? Trauma. What he called moral injury. Sometimes called it soul injury. And these were soldiers who had fought in battle and seen things so catastrophic, so horrible that their, their, they, it's like their soul had been torn 
and they could hardly function. Their moral life had been set upside down. They no longer knew what it meant to be human because of what they had seen. Deep, traumatic injury, and part of the cause of the trauma, part of what caused the tearing, memory, memory. Memory is an important tool in forgiveness. Memory is an important tool in the work of redemption. But it can also be a tool that the evil one uses to torment us and keep us in fear and misery. And it's when we realize that part of memory that the real depth of God's promise in Isaiah 65 becomes clear to us. Because Isaiah promises that there will be a day where our tears will be dried, our pains will be gone, and God will make everything new And the former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. In a wonderful act of creative amnesia, the daughter will not remember her mother's criticism. The soldier will not remember the trauma that he saw in war. The parents will not remember the pain, what it felt like to stand beside the grade of their beloved child. The addict and his desire for a high will be completely forgotten. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. So we will forget, but not only that, and here is the amazing thing, the mysterious thing, the inexplicable thing. Jeremiah adds in the passage I read before, that not only will we forget, but God will forget too. I will forgive their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. God will forget our sins. How does that work? God will forget our iniquities and remember our sins no more. What does that mean? I'm not sure I comprehend it, but I take hold of that promise. I know what it doesn't mean. I know that God's not just going to say, ah, sin, forget about it. Don't worry about it. No. (laughs) Read Revelation. Revelation 21 echoes Isaiah 65 and that promise of a new creation. Revelation 21 comes right after Revelation 20. In Revelation 20, God judges every sin. Justice is done. Everything is taken care of. But once justice is done and everything is leveled, I will forgive their iniquity. And I will remember their sins no more. The new creation isn't just when justice is done. It's when a joy has come to take root in our heart. That means we are completely at ease with each other and completely at ease before our God because the scourge of our memories has been taken away. This final forgetfulness is obviously something for the future. It's a hope that we can see and cling to. Does it make any difference today? I think it does. It certainly changes the way we look at things. It certainly changes the way we remember the sins that other people have committed against us. Today in this world, we may be called to remember Auschwitz. We may be called to remember 9-11 or Vietnam or our own weakness and failure. But we don't remember that stuff as a way to clobber someone else. We don't remember it for vengeance, obviously. But we don't even just remember it for justice. 
We remember these things as a way, as a tool, as a move towards healing, to believing that even the person who hurt us can be in full fellowship with us someday because of this promise of forgetfulness. We use our memories like a soldier uses his rifle in war. Something he carries with him that's absolutely necessary, but something that he longs to lay down someday and never pick up again. And I think that knowing that we will be able to forget someday also affects the way we remember our own sins. The sins of our youth may still torment us, and they do, all of us. The sins of our youth may still torment us, but when we remember this promise of forgetfulness, they don't torment us in quite the same way. They do not define who we are. The mistakes of our past cannot define us. What defines us is who we are in Jesus Christ. And that person is that ultimate person whose iniquities have been forgiven and whose sins have been forgotten. These are tremendous promises. How do we know that such a thing is possible and will come true? We know because of the cross. Because on the cross we see that Jesus does not remember us according to our iniquities. Jesus does not look at us according to our sins. He remembers us according to his steadfast love. He remembers us according to his never-ending mercy. And therein lies our hope. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, you know the ways in which each of us here wrestle with memories of trauma and of sin. Thank you for these great promises that these memories will be taken away and that someday the joy that we can't even quite comprehend will fill us heart and mind. And thank you too for that amazing promise that even you will wipe these things from your memory so that joy will be complete and that sin will have absolutely no place in your new creation. In Christ's name we pray it. Amen. Thank you for listening to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.